Sarah Sullivan and some people that just listen to this podcast because they like the sound of Sarah's voice. Welcome to another episode <laughs> of the Sullivan Talk Show. My name is Josh Withers and the lady laughing, she once told me her name was Sarah Ed, but honestly, don't believe a word she says. <laughs> How are you doing, Sarah? Believe all the words I say. They're very important and <laughs> Like true. if you have to say, trust me. Instantly, that's how I know. That's how I know not to trust you. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, I'm a dentist. I don't don't know if you saw my Instagram story from yesterday. I I married a couple. Sorry. Celebrated um, the marriage. I stood in front of a couple in New Zealand and celebrated the marriage, and they were not legally married because it happened on Australian soil, in case any New Zealand celebrants are listening and they want to have a problem with me. Uh, I, uh, but I, I couldn't show their faces because it's a secret. Um, and I'm pretty sure this person won't listen. But at the same time last year, I helped the groom's sister a open secret. And so they actually told um, a family member at a birthday party, which is like a week later, and this couple are doing the same. So it's really cool. <laughs> but does the does the groom's sister who you married know that the groom is getting married? No. Oh, no, it's it's so good, so cool. <laughs> but the groom uh, knows so, that you married his sister, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that yeah. would be um, really cool if neither of them knew. No, there was a little bit of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I posted a a, um, a story on Instagram uh, that said, uh, this couple isn't a dentist, so I can't show you their face. And I had so many people message me like, what does that mean? I don't get it. Like, uh, God, I'm getting old, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, we're showing it's... our age, mate. Showing yeah. our age. Um, no if you good. were one of these people who didn't get it or if you just didn't message me and you're like, oh, that's stupid. That, that's a reference. It's a reference to a uh, A to toothpaste ad. ad. A toothpaste ad. because Toothpaste um, or toothbrush? Hands? Oh, well, I think both. Yeah. Um, it was Colgate, right? I th- oh, was it? I don't know. Whoever it was, uh, it was yeah. nine out of ten dentists recommend, yeah, Colgate, that sounds right. Um, this yeah, man yeah, recommends yeah. it. We can't show you his face because he's a dentist. And so it was yeah. just an image, like the a video of him from the back with no shirt on. So I don't know how many dentists actually look that good without their shirt on. Um, <laughs> and him brushing his teeth and making a thumbs up sign with his back to the camera. Yeah, so yeah. that's the reference if you saw that. There you that. go. There, that, yep, just destroyed the magic of that ad, having to explain that um, reference. And now, just for all of you, you're going to really enjoy this because somebody in my Facebook feed posted this morning, does anyone else just randomly get the Munch on Muncheros ad stuck in their head? And I never had, but now I have. Now and hopefully have. all of you do too. Oh, you're a blessing, Sarah. Yeah, Thanks. I know. Yeah. Hey, uh, we've got some official business to get out of the way just before we kind of get into some some housekeeping, you might say. Uh, so first of all, um, uh, happy Hanukkah, uh, happy birthday to me, uh, happy and me. Christmas. Well, I was I was getting there. Oh Sarah. right. Yeah, but See, there was there's a, there's a Christmas and there's a happy New Year and a happy birthday to you. Good. Yeah, um, Is there anything any else? Other no, yeah, that's I think that's most all. Most of the housekeeping, yeah. Happy holidays. It's now uh, the 10th of January. Uh, <laughs> we are recording this on the 10th of January 2020 and um, half the country is still on fire and uh, the Meghan and Harry have Megxited from the royal family. Oh, that is the best hashtag <laughs> in the whole world. Hashtag Megxit. God, that's good. So good. And all in all, it has not been a good start to the decade. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a really and for me it's been a full on start because aside from all that which is very real stuff apart from hashtag makes it very real stuff that affects people I know and love and in my life. Um I've been in New Zealand. Actually, you know what? I've been in New Zealand for the entire decade. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I from from six AM on the first day of the decade I've I've been either on the way to New Zealand or in New Zealand. Amazing. I, uh, yeah. Amazing. So I've been I'm here in the middle of um, eight elopements over 12 days, so it's a little bit exhausting. Crazy, crazy. All the things, yes. All the things are going on. Yeah, exciting exciting times. Um, so, yes, uh, we will talk a little bit more about the bushfires in, a little bit later in this episode. Um, but the first thing, the first thing that we do need to talk about is also a little bit of housekeeping, and that is about the new partnership that we have at the Celebrate Institute. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we started receiving a few legal questions that were just outside of the realm of Sarah and my general knowledge. Yeah, like, because there's things like, hey, remember, it's your right to ask questions. And if you wrote in and said, hey, Josh and Sarah, as a celebrant, is it right or wrong for me to murder someone? We don't really need to seek any outside help Regarding that question, Sarah and I are well qualified to address it. We would ask, obviously, who is it? What have they, how have they wronged you? <laughs> <laughs> and we would make a group consensus decision as to, as to whether or not we should murder the person. We'd probably we'd, we'd offer to help, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but there's obviously other questions outside of our realm. We're like, oh, you know what? I'm just not qualified to answer that. Correct. Yeah. There are, like, obviously, mo- the vast majority of the questions we get are regarding the Marriage Act, and that is my area of expertise, and I'm quite happy to answer those. But there are some that are more business related and kind of governance, compliance, finance type stuff that we just are not really qualified to answer. Yeah, so we thought we'd get some help. Um, I actually put a call out on uh, on Twitter and um, and one of our members uh, said, hey, here's my lawyer, he's really good. And so now we're lucky enough to be working with uh, Jamie White from Pod Legal. Uh, we'll probably get him on the podcast at some point, that might be fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. And he is... Um, He's contributing content to the Celebrant Institute that's kind of uh, appropriate to celebrants that run businesses, but also there'll be an opportunity to ask questions of him. Um, He's also helping us out with a service contract because we saw that a lot of celebrants don't have a service contract today. Uh, Well, if they do, it's just something they kind of dreamed up. Um, And so he's actually putting together a a base level service contract that members can can get. And then if you want something a little bit more customized, we'd highly recommend getting his services to actually write a contract that's applicable to you and how you run your business. Uh, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of little legal things um, coming out. He'll offer a nice discount to our members, oh, yeah. which is really great to get specific legal so. advice. And he's also got a bunch of other, like, businessy type services that he will offer for quite a reasonable rate. For example, he'll do um, a legal audit of your website, of your Celebrant website. You know, do you have a privacy policy? Do you, like, what do you have? What do you need? And I think he said he'd do that for, like, 49 bucks. Yeah, yeah. If there's some, Which is, some really nice events. Yeah, so there. there's some great stuff. And, yeah, so we'll be posting more about that in the coming weeks. But uh, just so that you know that we are seeking additional advice and it's really cool to have that partnership. On that note as well, I just wanted to clarify because I've had a few conversations with celebrants I love and that are friends. Um, and uh, the celebrant – so this podcast is obviously free. Anyone can listen to it. If you've got a podcast client, you can listen to it. But there is a paid component to the Celebrant Institute um, where for a monthly or annual fee – and it's bloody low fee. Uh, you can uh, you can jump onto celebrant.institute and actually um, 
uh, become a member. <laughs> and uh, and with that, you get to read everything on the website, read all the articles. Sarah and I are always writing. And uh, I think it's possibly even good stuff, actually. And you can ask questions Maybe. and um, all that kind of thing. So celebrate, just in case you listen to this podcast, because there was a, someone who did and, and they're like, oh, I didn't realize you had that. I'm like, oh, I might just explicitly state it <laughs> in the podcast. I feel like we've explicitly stated that many yeah, times. Yeah, I'll just but say hey, it again. Who knows? That's fine. Um, do you know, it's really interesting. I'm, uh, I was looking, talking to a lawyer about something else a, a little while ago and they have, this law firm has a similar subscription option where you can pay a monthly fee and you get uh, unlimited phone access to their lawyers for $199 a month. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Which, you know, for legal advice really is actually good. really reasonable. Because yeah. it's funny but, you said that. I'm like, oh, should I do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like super, super cheap for legal advice. But I think that that puts into perspective that our $10 a month is also quite reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So uh, jump on board. Yeah. Uh, but one of the articles that are on there this week for members is by Jamie. And uh, this is a bit of a segue into a pertinent issue. Uh, like we said, we're recording this on the 10th of January 2020. Uh, so as we speak, uh, bushfires are ravaging the country. Um, and there's, uh, like I was, I was in Wanaka, which is uh, about an hour away from Queensland. I was in Wanaka this morning and there's a fundraising concert happening at the front of the nice cafe there. And, uh, really kind of brought home the fact that the whole world is getting behind raising money, uh, for the bushfire efforts for uh, the wildlife, um, uh, uh, workers and advocacy. There's some super cute kids. There's some super cute kids in England raising money for wildlife. Yeah, so there's so many, so many great efforts um, yeah, for the fireys, for those affected. Um, there's some, uh, I don't know if you've been following my Instagram feed, but they, I've been resharing a few stories of like, a, what is it, a bring an esky uh, to, to kind of advocate yep. for going on a road trip to these places once they're back up and, and running. And buying all of their things. The things. Like, so go with an empty, yeah, empty esky, esky so that you one. can buy all the things. Yeah, yeah. So you can buy all the things and put them in your esky yeah. and bring them home. And there's, there's a couple other... Um, oh, uh, Who's the bush uh, the bushfire victim that was a marathon runner and Shineda's speaking? Oh, Cheerio Pit. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she started a um, a movement, just an Instagram account to to shop with them, so that there's all these businesses in there, like like, and maybe it's clothing or you know, uh, just the, like things you can buy. Similar to the buy from the bush um, stuff that came out for Christmas last year. Yeah. So so many great efforts to actually um, not just raise money because raising money is good. There's lots of people donating items, but uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest ways you can help like like once we've actually fought the fire so they're fighting the fires is an immediate thing um there's there's wildlife that desperately needs help so that all those like they're, they're things you can give money to right now but in the next stage like an awesome way to support them isn't just to donate your old couch but to actually buy at their businesses support local em- employers and employees and so that there's money going through the economy but also in fact don't actually donate your old couch these people don't need your secondhand shit <laughs> that you would have otherwise taken to the tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, there's that. So, you know, I think that we do need to. We do need to. You know, there's a lot of stuff in Victoria at the moment about please don't bring us any more stuff. We don't have room to hold it. We don't have people to sort it. Please, if you want to give anything, it's lovely, but please give money. And there's a lot of people whinging about that. But there's also a lot of people who just are like, well, I'll just give you my castoffs. Yeah, yeah. No, like. These people have lost everything that, yes, they're going to be grateful for anything, but they also don't want stuff that doesn't work or stuff that really belongs at the tip and in nobody's living room. Yeah. So, 
so many great efforts and I want to encourage everyone to to get behind those great efforts. But I wanted to kind of swing past an article that Jamie wrote for the Celebrant Institute this week and then swing into... Um, something that's been kind of taking off uh, so many small businesses, but obviously Sarah and I have seen it a lot in the wedding industry because that's obviously where we operate. Uh, so Jamie wrote an article about a company that has been taken to court by the ACCC, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm no good at remembering all these things. These things are hard. Yeah. There's three C's there. Which C goes for which? Competition and Consumer Commission. I just looked cool. it up. Yeah. So, so they took this business to court because uh, they made a claim. I think they were donating eyewear. Uh, and they, they made a claim that um, you know, for every purchase you make, we donate a set of glasses or whatever. A pair of yeah. glasses to whoever. And uh, yeah. the fact is they weren't. <laughs> They'd sold something like 8,000 glasses and I think they donated a much smaller amount. And... Uh, and that's a claim that the Australian Consumer and Competition Commission will take you to court for and fine you for because you fucking lied. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so that's, that's one thing to be really, really wary of is that if you are making charitable claims in your business, you've got to do it, which I hope everyone would just know that I hope that's not something we have to tell people. But step one if you're going to make a claim to make a charitable donation, do it. Like I'm assuming that when you go to Zambrero's that you are actually in fact buying a meal for someone else. And and I would hope that if they weren't, that they would get caught, caught up for that. So any charitable... Can I just effort, tell you what those numbers actually are what's that, the, for this company? Yeah, yeah. The numbers. So they made 320,000 sales of eyeglasses and they donated 3,000 pairs. Wow, okay, yeah. So that's terrible. Like that's terrible. Yeah, so they're just plain out capitalistic assholes. But let's bring this back to um, a celebrant point of view, wedding industry point of view. We've seen so many uh, businesses uh, that have made an offer, uh, something around the lines of um, all profits this, this month or all all sales this this month or this week, you know, we'll donate twenty percent or a hundred percent, or we'll we'll make a donation, and that donation is linked to us doing business. Not just us doing business, us getting new business. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, Sarah and I just want to have a bit of a candid chat about that idea. Um, hey, like when you see that kind of thing, Sarah, like what's your immediate kind of reaction? Like, how do you feel when you see that? I feel uncomfortable. Um, so this there's this has been getting a lot of traction in many of the business groups that I'm in on Facebook. Um, lots of people are talking about it. Lots of people are like, well, I want to help, but I've given all I can personally. So the next step would be for me to give a portion of my business, um, which is lovely. But I think we need to be really careful about being seen to be leveraging crisis to drum up business. So I guess there's two ways of looking at this. The way I look at it is if I'm going to give charitably, I actually don't need to splash that all over my social media. I just, And I guess that this is about why do you do it? Do you do it because it intrinsically makes you feel good or do you do it because you think that it's good for business? And of course it is good for business and I know that big businesses – um, you know, make a thing of, you know, we're giving this much money to charity or we're doing this much pro bono work or whatever it is. Uh, but I do think that there's something a little bit gauche about saying I am only giving money to this charity if somebody else hires me to do work. And I suppose that there's there's two ways of looking at that is that one way is that it's gauche and the other way is, well, 
I might get more business if people know that I'm giving a portion of my income to the charity. So therefore, this it's not just a way of me getting more business, but it's a way of people knowing that if they shop with me, like it's an awareness raising thing. If they shop with me, some of the proceeds are going to go to this charity. So I, I'm, I'm pretty torn about it. My personal immediate reaction is gross and don't do it. Um, but because my personal reaction is if I want to give to a charity, I don't need to tell the world I'm doing that. But, and then there's also another thing of um, if I'm giving money that I have now, that is me making a personal sacrifice. If I talk about giving money that's coming coming in the future, I'm not sacrificing quite as much. Do you, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that I'm, yeah. I'm sacrificing somebody else's money. So there was a... Remember a couple of weeks ago, Nick Kyrgios came out and said that for every ace he serves during this summer season of tennis, he will donate $200 to the bushfire relief, which is incredible. Um, Now, that's him giving his own money, right, from his prize money, whatever it is, but it's his money. The cricketers have come out and said, we will donate our jerseys to be auctioned off. That's giving other people's money. Do you see the difference? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a different kind of conversation. It's a honestly, like it's not it's not a hundred percent like this, but it's a little bit like conditional love and unconditional love, and the kind of love you would get from your partner hopefully is unconditional. Um, conditional love is unhealthy and weird, and hopefully you don't get that from anyone <laughs> because it's it's a weird kind of relationship. Uh, so I I agree with where you're at, but there's another angle that is important to me. Uh, and it's the reason that I generally, almost certainly never do free weddings or giveaways. Um, you know, the whole uh, giving away a free wedding. Uh, if I'm ever invited to be a part of that, I just won't be. And that's why you won't see me doing it. And the reason for that is free stuff has a place in marketing and promotions. Like a Toyota giving away a free car to drum up promotion of its car. That's a very real thing. Because the only impact that has to anyone at Toyota is on a balance sheet and it's not their money because no one, none of Toyota's money is a person's money. It's a shareholder's money, but it's all, you know, and so, but it's just, it's, it's an, that's an expense item on the marketing sheet. No one, no one at Toyota is going without because they gave away a car and it's a legitimate way of drumming a business. Um, the, the the manufacturers of the car still get paid, the marketing employees still get paid, the people that are at the giveaway handing out, you know, free cans of Coke or whatever. They're, you know, everyone's getting paid um, because they're giving away a product. They're not giving away people's time. But in the wedding industry, I see so many people doing free free giveaways and I feel irked at that because the couple are having the same wedding they might have had anyway. They didn't pay for it. And everyone there isn't being valued. And that's an intrinsic part of the creative work is receiving that value, that love, that appreciation, that acknowledgement. And also, would have the couple booked all of you if you weren't free? And if so, are they, are they actively involved in the awesomeness of their day 
And so is your soul feeling a little bit emptier? <laughs> because not only have you worked for free, but the couple probably would have booked someone else if they had to pay for it. Uh, I, I just think it's a really unhealthy, like mentally and uh, emotionally and spiritually unhealthy thing to get involved in. And and I think there's a real element of that when people are doing giveaways in the wedding industry because because this our work matters, not just to us, but to the couple. And and I think Well it should. Yeah. <laughs> and and particularly when you start uh placing it around disasters I, I, I just don't think it's the healthiest, nicest thing. Yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm not. Sh- I'm not entirely sure. I haven't seen anyone. Well, oh, no, no, that's not is, true. No, there's, there's a bunch. There's a there, and look, there's a good guy who's a videographer who I'm, I'm actually catching up with in an hour. He's in Kingstown, and he's he's donating a bunch of money, uh, and so and so the people like himself and other people they they have the best of hearts doing it so like i i would hope anyone if you're someone who's done this please don't take this as a personal attack no totally not i know that everyone involved has got the best intention like they like absolutely um i i suppose i'm just warning against against that kind of leverage i I just don't think it's a beautiful thing for a business to place yourself and i don't think it's a good predicament to put yourself in i think also um so for example i do know that there are some wedding businesses coming together to put on um to do free weddings for people who have lost their homes and that's that's in the bushfire and that's a totally different totally different thing yeah yeah because they those people have nothing and now they will they will, you know, they'll be so grateful and whatever it is, but that's totally different. So this is about, um, but I also kind of think that giving a portion, like giving a percentage of what someone's paying you, I think if they're still paying the full amount, they're probably still going to value you as much. Okay, there's that as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so um, even though I'm getting paid less, I'm getting paid less of money that I don't have now. So and that and it's money that might not have come in if this disaster hadn't struck, yeah. and I therefore decided to leverage it. So I'm giving away money that is not in my pocket. It's not really a sacrifice to me, um, sort of. So it it's a it's a really tricky one. There's also how other people view you when you do that, and there's this angle as well. You know when you go to supermarkets, I feel you can't go through a checkout these days without being asked to donate two dollars to a charity. Um, yeah, and and I know that there's the best of intentions there, but I don't donate there for two reasons. A, I already make decisions on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, I'm not going to mention the who's and the what's, but a considerable amount of bread of my income doesn't stay with us and it goes on to to other efforts some of those are carbon um carbon crediting uh, tree planting agencies some are wildlife agencies um some are humanitarian efforts locally and abroad um with different yeah like and so so i'm not saying that to boast but we we are actively involved in trying to make the world a better place because we give a crap about that but you're not using that as a way of marketing yeah, your business like, like this is probably one of the first places we've ever mentioned it um yeah so there's so I don't donate there because I'm already actively involved. I don't need you to guilt trip me into it. But that's the thing. I feel guilt tripped when I go through a check and I don't donate. I'm like, I'm already donating. And like, ah, oh, it's only $2. But here's why I don't. Because that company 
whether it's IGA or Woolworths or whoever, that's just their way of funneling money around to get um, to get charitable receipts so they can lower their taxable income. And you don't get the t- the, the, the taxable um, the tax receipt to say that you made a donation. You just you just lose your two or ten dollars or whatever it is. But they do, and they reduce the taxable income by doing so, and they make a donation to charity, and everyone feels good. And so, I feel like a lot like a lot of people would feel the same way. <laughs> when they view people doing that. It is a tricky one because, you know, I see a lot of cafes, you know, going, oh, um, you know, half of all of the coffees that we sell today will give. And, okay, that's great because then somebody might choose to go to that cafe today instead of their normal cafe. So maybe there's something, you know, they're just making a slightly different buying choice and maybe that's okay. Yeah, but once again, that's a product, it's not a person. That Yeah, that's true too. That's true too. So I don't know if I've seen a few posts by some wedding industry people and they've and this is not all the posts I've seen, but some of the ones that I've seen, I've gone, you've just put out on social media the obscene amount of money that you are charging for that service and said that you're going to give this other obscene amount of money um, because that's half of it or whatever. And to me, um it, that that whole thing feels weird because now I know that you're actually making a shitload of money during the year. You never give money to things otherwise. Why are you leveraging this disaster for marketing purposes? I don't know. There's so, yeah, if I can wrap up the conversation on on this note. Have you have you been taking note? I mean, maybe not a record, but you've just noticed that different celebrities and big businesses have pledged different amount different amounts of money. Yeah. And have you started assembling some kind of social scale in your mind of well Lizzo donated I think half a mil or no 200,000 but then she helped out at a center for the day but then uh, Russell Crowe donated this and and who and and you kind of it creates this weird ladder <laughs> of charity um mm. And it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to submit to that system because if I, if I, like if you and I got on the thing right now and said, the celebrant Institute's going to donate an amount, all of a sudden we enter the, 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 the competition of who's donating the most, the hierarchy. And, and I just, I, you know, just donate, just be a good person without having to promote it. And I, you know, like I get why the celebrities tell everyone they're doing it and I'm... No, 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 no. It's all PR. Like, it's, it's, it's... Yeah, yeah. It's business. But also, it's, it's them just doing I, business saying, hey, we're better than them. But I also kind of saw someone... I saw someone um, comparing the percentages of what those celebrities are worth and <laughs> against what they're giving and saying, well, this person's only donated 2% of their net worth and that person's donated 10% of their net worth. So they must... Be- no. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. don't think – like I think that's a really dangerous space to walk into as well, saying, well, they're better because they've given more of their money or whatever. I don't know. I just – it's really hard. It's a really vexed question. It's something that I am not entirely sure that there's a there's no correct answer. Everyone will feel differently about this. And please, those people who are listening, don't feel bad about anything that you've done because, as I say, there's no right answer on this. Just I know that personally – I, it sometimes it can feel a bit icky if we feel like we're leveraging things because there's a little bit, you know, my sister actually said to me last night, she said, there are farmers in this country who have been losing, who've been in drought conditions for years, months and years. There are farmers committing suicide left, right and centre. There are farmers who are losing everything. 
nobody's giving them $50 billion. Um, why, like, what is it that makes this crisis different uh, to everything else? And I said, well, I mean, there's a thousand different causes that you could say the same thing about. And I suppose that for a little bit for me, I want to know that I'm, that I give at all times, that I don't only give when there's a, a crisis like this. Um, and whether that's time or money or resources or whatever it is, um, yeah, I think that, I think for me personally, I want to know that I'm doing my bit all year through and I might have done a bit more just at this moment, but I'm not going to use that as marketing. I know I said I'd wrap up with the other story, but I, I just actually remembered part of the reason why this was on my mind. Way, way back when the bushfires first started becoming like a thing, you know, that people talked about, like uh, October, early November, maybe. Uh, um, Brits did a post on the Elopement Collective saying, um, yeah, we, we, we want to donate. And so with it, like, and I'm not saying she did this outside of my you know, authority, but like she, she thought it was a good idea and just did it. She said, we're just going to, everyone the books this week or so, we're going to give 20% to, um, to the bushfire appeal. And, uh, and pretty soon, a um a photographer screenshot that and posted it in a photographer's Facebook group, and they just all lambasting. It's like, oh, only twenty percent, and and all this kind of crap. And I just remember thinking, wow, I I hadn't considered how other people could read into this, into our generous and beautiful act. And yeah. so that's why I pulled back. Yeah, which is really sad. Yeah, but life's sad sometimes, Sarah, and uh, you know. Yeah. Don't want to spend all day in that. That's true. So I guess really the message is, you know, think about the way you sell your generous acts. Think about whether you need to sell them at all. Yeah, absolutely. Like, okay, so I I do have one more. Oh, here we go. Because Lizzo's in Melbourne. Yeah, my sister went to her concert on Wednesday night. And on Wednesday during the day, she was photographed um, packing emergency packs at Food Bank. And again, there's this whole, oh, isn't Lizzo amazing? She's, you know, doing this thing at Food Bank. Did So then, again, I want to know why did she do that? Did she do that because she actually felt like it was a good thing for her to do or because she knew it would get her some good publicity? So I think that you we all need to think about the reasons why we give or whatever it is we do um, and that should hopefully inform some of the way we use it in our business or don't use it. Now I'm finished. Right. What's next on the to-do list? What, are, what, else, what other things are we going to ruin for the world today? Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's the- talk about women. What's with that, hey? <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing um, I've got... What's the go with the kidneys? I just think they shouldn't be so spiky. <laughs> We're terrible people sometimes, aren't we? Um Okay, so th- I've got two kind of legal things that I want to talk about today. The first one uh, came up in a Facebook group, a celebrant Facebook group that I'm a member of, and it is about when a party or both parties changes their name before the wedding but after the noim has been lodged. So uh, those of you who pay attention may know that I've been saying for years because it's what's in the guidelines that if a person moves house or changes occupation after the noim is lodged 
the NOIM does not get updated because the NOIM was correct at the time it was signed. The DONLIM and the OCM, they will reflect the new information, the new occupation, the new address, um, because again, they will be correct at the time they are signed. So for occupation and address, those things don't get, don't get changed because they're not, what we do change on the NOIM is errors, but change in occupation or address are not errors, they're a change. However, this is different when it comes to a person's name. The guidelines tell us that for a person who changes their name after the NOIM is lodged, but before the marriage, that we should indeed change the name on the NOIM. So um, this I have found pretty confusing because it it flies against the uh, the advice that is given in terms of name and uh, address and occupation. So I wrote to the Attorney General's Department about this. This is one of the ones that I questioned when the guidelines were rewritten in 2018 and, of course, never got a response until March 2019. So basically my thing was you say that for name, for occupation and address, we should leave those alone because they're correct at the time of signing, but you say that we should alter the norm if the name is changed, even though it was correct at the time of signing. So that seems to me to be contradictory advice and can you please um, review that? So they came back with blah, 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 that we're allowed to p- correct an error on the norm. Fine. But this is still not an error. It's a change. And uh, that a person's, a party's change of name affects their identity and is relevant to our satisfaction that the parties to the marriage are the parties referred to in the norm. Their occupation and address are not part of their identity and are not really relevant to the solemnization of a valid marriage. The, um, the rule is that the names on the marriage certificate should be exactly the same as the names on the norm, and that's why the names on the norm should be corrected and that marriage documents will form part of a chain of documents, a chain of documents throughout their life, yada, yada. So they're basically saying because it's their name and therefore a massive part of their identity, you need to make that change on the norm so that the norm and the marriage documents are all the same. I agree that this feels contradictory to the other information about occupation and address, What they're saying, what the AGD is saying, is that occupation and address are not part of a person's identity. Any thoughts? No, no. I'll just go along with that. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a bit, like, I just find it difficult when they kind of give blanket advice, like, the norm is correct at the time of signing, and then, oh, except for this one thing. You know, like, it's, okay, well, make up your minds. Like, is it or isn't it? Um, so I think that we just need to be aware of that. If if a party changes their name after the norm is lodged but before the marriage, they need to change that on the norm. Uh, if you want to include some kind of supporting evidence about that, like a letter or a copy of the change of name certificate or something like that, 
uh, to BDM when you submit the marriage. You can definitely do that. It's not required, but you can if you want. Uh, but yeah, so that's the rule. You do update the name. So that's the first one that I wanted to mention. This, this next this, one's a banger. This is this is great. <laughs> the next thing I wanted to mention is about the fact that we as celebrants are not police. We are not the immigration department. We are not anything other than marriage celebrants. So this is coming up for me quite a bit. Uh, I'm hearing anecdotal stories about, about this happening quite a bit. That celebrants are overstepping what identification or evidence they need to see in terms of their couples. The Marriage Act is very clear. We need to cite evidence of date and place of birth through a passport, a birth certificate or a statutory declaration if neither of those two are available. We need to be cert- be satisfied that the person that we are marrying is the person named on the NOIM and the easiest way to do that is through seeing a form of photo identity, a photo identification that has the same name that's listed on the NOIM and the birth certificate and a photo of the person standing in front of you. We need to see evidence of the termination of a previous marriage, whether that be a divorce certificate, a death certificate or a nullity certificate. And that's it. So we are you do saying not... that we don't need to get samples of blood? No. Amazing. Locks of hair? Or no, no hair, no urine sample. Family lineage? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Parental what... support? <laughs> What Hang we on. do not have, I been asking everyone at ceremonies whether whether there is any objections for no reason. No reason. <laughs> Everybody, oh, don't do that. God. So we do not need to see evidence of their permission to be in the country. We don't need to see visas. You don't need any kind of specific visa to get married in this country. We do not need to see evidence that they are in this country legally. That's nothing to do with us. We do not need to see evidence of citizenship unless it is a certificate of citizenship which has anglicised a person's name and they want to use that name on the norm. We do not need to see uh, evidence of the longevity or not of a relationship We do not need to see uh, a single status certificate. So there are some countries that do require that people who uh, are not married can prove that by producing a single status certificate. We don't need that here. It's not a thing. They sign the Donlim um, saying that they're not married. So that's all we need. We are not the immigration department and we are not the police. So please Only ask your couples for the information they need to provide you. They also only need to provide you with one form of identification. I know that there must be an RTO somewhere who is teaching that you need to see at least two forms of identification. Incorrect. The Marriage Act does not require that. The Marriage Act requires that you see evidence of date and place of birth and satisfy yourself as to the identity. You can do both of those things with a passport. You do not need to see proof of their address. You do not need to see proof of their signature. You do not need to... Are people asking for proof of signature? Yeah, their signature is different to the one on their license. Can I accept that? 
Yes, you can. You do not need to, to know that their address is the same as what's on their license. That means nothing to us. They do not need to get evidence. If they show you a passport, they don't need to give you evidence of, of where they live. They don't need to show you evidence of their parents' names. They can put whatever they want. They don't need, I don't um, condone putting whatever they want. They should put what's on their birth certificate, but they don't have to give you evidence of that. They don't have to give you evidence of their occupation. I hope nobody's asking for that. I haven't heard that one before. Um, they don't, there's something else that I just thought of. What was it that they don't need to give you? Oh, um, if they were, uh, nobody needs to produce a birth certificate. That changed in July 2014. Yes, it used to be the rule that if you were born in Australia, you had to produce a birth certificate. The Marriage Act changed in you know, five and a half years ago. So that is not required. They can just produce a passport and you're good to go. Do not take... Question. Yes. Is it wrong that I've been showing my couples nine different photos and asking them to select which ones have traffic lights in them to make sure they're a real person? My silence tells you how I feel about that question. (laughs) Moving right along. Uh, You do not need to retain copies of their identification. In fact, don't retain copies. It's bad for uh, privacy and for potential identity theft. Just read the article that's about that. So I know people are saying, like I saw somebody the other day say, I get them to show me their original and also give me a certified photocopy so that I know that I'm safe. No, don't do that. It's not required and, in fact, it's bad practice uh, for all sorts of reasons. So, don't do that. It's not – just don't take copies. Can, yes, can I, I know speak with- to that? In case you haven't read yep. the article or you're not a paid member, here's the whole article in a premise. The best way for you to maintain a high level of security is to not have things that can be stolen. Like the easiest way to not lose – like the easiest way to not have $100,000 stolen of you is to not have $100,000 in the house. And so if you don't have things, they can't be stolen from you, a.k.a. a breach of security. So if you don't have copies of passports and birth certificates and driver's licenses and divorce certificates and other things, you might want to accumulate samples of blood and urine and photos of traffic lights, then just don't have them because you don't need them. And so the best way to maintain high security is to meet the couple in person to sign the norm and... You see the passport or whatever ID they bring. You look at it. Go, yep, that's you. And then you do the magical act of just handing it back to them. And no longer do you have it. And no longer are you in breach or in a possible breach of security. Correct. You can't be accused of of stealing their identity if that ever happens to them. Um, yeah, the copies thing is really important. Now I know that with the new rules about electronic. Uh, being able to send their ID electronically, that means we're going to have a copy of that floating around somewhere in our emails or, you know, whatever. Make sure you destroy that, that you delete that copy as soon as you no longer need it. Uh, If you feel that you would like to keep it until the wedding has gone ahead, still not ideal, but okay. Uh, But get rid of it as soon as you are done with it. Um. And in fact, just don't keep it in the first place because really if they have sent you an email or a photo with a an electronic original attached, they'll be able to reproduce that. So you don't need to be able to reproduce that. Uh, 
yeah, just just like I, I even heard someone in one group said that he had called the immigration department what? to ascertain the visa status of a bride. What? No, no, beyond like beyond no. Um, for starters. Like, that's illegal. Well, I mean, the immigration department should not have told him anything. I don't know if they did uh, because it's none of your business. But it's just not necessary. We don't need to know if they are here legally. That's got nothing to do with us. We're not the Australian Federal Police. We're not the immigration department. It's nothing to do with us. They, it's, they're not required to be citizens or residents or anything else to get married here. So just... Could I actually tell you a story in that, in that realm? Please do. This is a real story of a real thing that happened to me slash I did. I (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, received an email um, uh, for a couple who just wanted the legals only. And I said, cool, let's catch up. Um, He goes, can I pay cash? And I said, if you need to, like I'll I'll bring an invoice on the day. And I said, I'd rather you just do it online, but... Anyway, so we caught up at a coffee shop and the guy that had inquired turns out wasn't the guy getting married. His best mate was there um, and also with the best mate was a, a young girl from Thailand um, who uh, was, was about 20, 30 years uh, his junior. and um, Which is not a problem. Not, yeah, not a problem. Uh, I'm just kind of highlighting the circumstance that people might be thinking is happening. And... Um, I thought at this at this stage of this meeting, very early on, uh, that something I need to be communicating to the couple is the requirements for consent. And so usually when I meet with a couple um, and they're young and in love, it, consent is very, very, very obvious because they're holding hands and grinning and like, they're so excited about the flowers they've chosen and we've got this venue. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you guys are totes into each other. Yeah. <laughs> consent <laughs> is very much implied here. <laughs> and also an un- understanding of what marriage is. And so I... Um, the, the girl spoke good at English, uh, you know, well enough. And, and I said, so the paperwork we're signing today is a notice of intended marriage. So this form is you giving me notice as a Commonwealth civil marriage celebrant. I'm appointed by the Commonwealth government, the federal government in Australia. Um, you're giving me notice that in more than one month's time, you would like to marry each other. Now, what that means in Australia is marriage is a union between two people entered into voluntarily for life to the exclusion of all others. It's you two together forever. That's it. Is, uh, is that what you would like to do today? And they both said, yes. So we signed the notice of intent. I started passports. Both had never been married. Uh, we signed the notice of intent and I took the money, gave me a receipt and went home. Uh, two weeks later, <laughs> the, uh, the, the guy, uh, the male who had signed the notice of intended marriage calls me and says, mate, I don't know if you know this, but that whole thing was a bloody immigration scam. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, mate, I was not aware of that. I said, would you like to proceed with the marriage? He goes, no bloody way. I'm like, all right, done. <laughs> oh, the poor bugger. He I must know, have thought he'd hit the jackpot with this young, beautiful woman wanting to marry him. He really had thought he'd hit the jackpot. Wow. It's it's kind of amazing to me that people can be so naive. Really? Isn't it amazing? It's phenomenal. So many celebrants would walk into the situation and go, I know what's going on here. 
and I also have a similar level of intelligence to you, and I thought the same thing. But it's not up to me to judge their relationship or to query, like, what they value or don't value. It's just, it's just not up to me. It's up to me to make sure, do they meet the requirements of the Marriage Act? If they do... If they do, they're good to go. And in fact, the current guidelines actually say that, uh, which is really cool. It's something that they added... Uh, in the when the 2018 guidelines were released, and I'm just scrolling through to find it, um, they added a whole section about uh, arranged marriages as opposed to forced marriages. So a reminder that in a forced marriage, one couple at least, one party at least is not uh, consenting, and in but in arranged marriage, they are both consenting but they just simply haven't met. So, and that's okay. That's not, that's not um, prohibited by the Marriage Act. So, the Marriage Act specifically says this. It's got two bits that I think are really good. A forced marriage is not the same as an arranged marriage. In a forced marriage, the victim does not consent. An arranged marriage is a marriage in which the spouses have the right to accept or refuse the marriage that their respective families have made. The Marriage Act does not prevent a person from consenting to marry another person that they do not know or have not met prior to the ceremony. Does not prevent, right? Then the next bit it says is that marriages that appear to be contrived for the purposes of a visa are not prohibited by the Marriage Act. As long as both parties are consenting to the marriage, it is not your role as the marriage celebrant to determine the genuineness of the relationship. What a time to be alive, Sarah. I just think that it's really good that it actually says that. The Department of Home Affairs is going to dig into that relationship to the nth degree. Um, Oh, yeah. Like, if you've talked to anyone that has tried to obtain any kind of immigration status recently, like, they are not getting in scot-free. Like, when, when, God bless the stupid... When the people that are of a different political leaning to me get on TV and social media and they make comments about immigrants and uh, and how it's all so easy and they're coming and taking all the jobs, and I'm like, mate, no one, zero people are just storming into this country and taking your jobs. Um, I, I have personal, I have close personal friends um, who are on that process and and I would I would have given them immigration day one, but it's just not that easy. It's not that simple. And no one is just obtaining citizenship willy-nilly. No, absolutely. And it, and and to obtain a partner visa, um, yes, a marriage might be helpful, but it is certainly not uh, automatically. It does not automatically entitle a person to a visa. The Department of Home Affairs is going to look into the genuineness of a relationship, and they're going to look at everything from photographs to statements from friends to emails text text messages have you got a joint bank account have you been on holidays together have you met like so many things but none of that is is up to us that's their job not ours our only job is to make sure that they are that they have the appropriate paperwork are over 18, are not married to someone else, are not siblings or in a prohibited relationship and are giving consent. That is our only job. So please just be really careful about making assumptions or 
getting involved in anything that is nothing to do with us um, because it's, yeah, it's just not our job. And I think it's really good that the guidelines specifically uh, outline that now. I remember my very first ever OPD session that I taught, I stood up the front. (laughs) There was an AFCC one and there were, I don't know, 50 people in the room or something, maybe not quite that many, but there were quite a lot of people there. And uh, I stood up the front and we were talking about V. Um, marriages for visa purposes and someone said would you marry a couple if they told you it was just to get a visa I went yep there's no there's no prohibition the marriage act doesn't say anything about that and there was a very experienced celebrant who was sitting up the back of the room and he sat there shaking his head and he's never been back (laughs) Um, so if we're sharing stories from OPD about ridiculous things that people think about the marriage act (laughs) I, I I don't know if I've shared this one on the podcast before if not it's a quickie, so just enjoy it again. <laughs> um, I'm teaching OPD in Sydney, and uh, somehow, I don't even know how, but somehow we get onto the point uh, that is a marriage legal, is a marriage solemnized if it's not consummated? And a, a celebrant was very, 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 very sure it was. Um, and I said, because... Uh, as you have, I think, said, and as you well know, when you're running OPD, you've got to be very diplomatic. Um, and I'm, a, I'm an extremely diplomatic and caring person, so it's really easy for me. Probably not so much for you. <laughs> you're a bit of a hard-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but me, it just comes naturally to me. <laughs> so, so when they say something like that, I'm like, this is okay. I am fine with all of this. <laughs> and... Uh, and I said, um, I would love it if you could show me uh, in the Marriage Act or in the Marriage Guidelines or any of the associated um, regulations uh, where where that information is, because I'm not aware of the legal need for a marriage to be consummated, consummated before it's solemnized, and um, I would love to know that. And uh, instead of showing me the reference in the guidelines or the act, um, she continued to argue with me and then lodged a formal complaint with me, not just with the... Uh, the, the the RTO doing the OPD, uh, but also with the Marriage Act because clearly I'm an incompetent trainer. No way! Yeah. I did, I, like, I'd heard that story before, but I hadn't heard that she actually launched, lodged a complaint. Oh, Sarah, the people that have lodged complaints Oh, mate, I love that. I've got a postcode for them, mate. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I would have loved to see the looks on the faces of the people at MLCS when they got that complaint. They would have been like, really? Um, yeah, no, that's not a thing. It might be a thing in the Catholic Church. It might have been a thing in the 1600s. It's not a thing. In the 1600s? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a thing now. Oh, it's not Sarah. a thing. So just, yeah, just a reminder to just be cognizant of our of the limits of our the role, law. of the law <laughs> that is very clear. Do not overstep your boundaries uh, in terms of pretty much anything. Uh, don't give advice that you're not qualified to give. Don't see documents, request documents that you don't have to see. Uh, and just, you know, do – I know we all want to do our job really well and I get that, but actually doing your doing more of your job doesn't make it better. Um, it, it You're not going to cover yourself more if you see three forms of identification. That's not how it works. So, yeah, just do what we're required to do. No less, but no more. I feel like we began the episode uh, with a legal inquiry into murder, and I 
we laughed, which could have been an indication that we were um, uh, admonishing that. But but I just want to wrap up the podcast with this very simple but powerful statement. Murder is wrong. <laughs> Please don't do it. Thank you. Is that a good way to end the podcast? Yep. Don't yeah. do it. Regardless <laughs> of just a- how they've wronged you or who they are or, yeah, all of those things that he amusingly said before, don't, just don't. Yeah, correct. <laughs> like unless they cut you off, like screw that guy. But, oh, Lord. You can uh, listen to all the other episodes of this podcast at the website celebrant.fm or just search for Celebrant Talk Show in your favourite podcast app. I believe you're on any podcast app that is worth having. So uh, if we're not, then maybe let a brother know so we can fix that. Uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us, um, the website celebrant.institute is where you can read our blog. It's where you can get in contact with us. It's where you can study to become a celebrant by doing the cert for. It's where you can see photos of Sarah my face in case you were curious as to whether we're real people. Um, of oh, course, if you want to get oh, in touch with oh, us, you can stop. Oh, what, what's, what, I'm wrapping up. No, just before you wrap up, <laughs> I just have a little bone to pick with you. So, oh, God, what have I done? You may recall, is, is this and this is, re- so look, talking about the photos on the website reminded me of this. You may recall that in the last episode, you gave me a lot of shtick about my memoji. <laughs> you said that the hair on my memoji looked like I had a whole bunch of thumbs coming out of my head and that it didn't look like hair at all and that you thought it was really silly. Well, I will have you know, Mr. Withers... That in the last week, I have a no less than four separate people say, oh, my God, that really looks like you. Sarah, if four people are wrong, that doesn't make them right. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody anybody would like to see my memoji, just let me know and I'll send it over. (laughs) (laughs) If you're looking to get in touch with us, all the links are on the website. Um, Sarah, I have to go and get on a helicopter because uh, hashtag celebrant life. Oh, yeah. Hashtag in your dreams. Um, so no, I know you are. No, just nobody else is. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, uh, we always love to hear from you. So please do let us know if there's anything you'd like, to talk, like us to talk about or write about or anything at all. Uh, And thanks again for listening. Love you all. Have a good day.